Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. The best podcast providing the most in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Aaron, Roger, and Doug to join Andrew as we discuss this month's view from the turnbuckle. So, it's now confirmed. NXT is moving to Tuesday after Mania. Uh, Aaron, is this because of uh, AEW dominating the ratings? Well, it's currently planned right now. So, uh, WWE has not done their official press release yet, but a lot of officials have been already talking about it and saying to like PWI Insider and Meltzer and others that it is set to to move to Tuesday. And, you know, I, I mean, it's probably a good idea for them. Um, we're going to see how much of that audience really wants to watch NXT. I mean, they're getting seven, eight hundred thousand viewers, um, you know, roughly um, every single week. If they're not competing with AEW, this is where we're going to see if it's sink or swim. Where is there were there a lot of people who are watching AEW because they didn't have time to watch NXT? And so are we going to see a million people potentially? We might. And um, and that'd be good for both. So I actually think that it's probably a good move because that way you're going to allow them to breathe on their own. And maybe we're going to get better wrestling. Maybe we're going to not have it, you know, so focused on the Wednesday night wars, you know, instead it's going to be focused on just the uh, the product at hand. Doug, do you think that both shows will at least the first time this comes out, they'll at least be over 900 K on each for uh, each uh, show on Tuesday and then the one on Wednesday? Yeah, this will definitely benefit both shows in the fact that they don't have to. Ch- we don't have to choose any more of which one do we watch uh, on Wednesday or you know uh, everything like that. Um, so I, I would expect both of them to go over uh, nine hundred and possibly get to that million dollar mark, depending on the occasional Wednesday. You know, what if they still do their non pay per view specials like uh, uh, AEW has been doing and and, uh, and NXT. Or they just call it a special event, but it's still on a on a Wednesday and on uh, cable. And Roger, do you think that this is going to hurt your uh, Tuesday night uh, TNA that you usually watch? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to have an impact on the ratings for sure, <laughs> unlike TNA. Um, look, like Doug said, this is a great move. I actually think the quality of NXT is going to improve because instead of trying to compete with AEW and, and doing all these specials and trying to hit these big matches – it's going to go back, I, I believe, to kind of the older format where we get the long storylines. We get more, quote unquote, filler matches, but we don't have to put Balor versus Cole on there to try to pop a rating. Let's just build the story organically. Let some of those newer guys get their shine and, and let it go to the takeovers. And that's fine. Look, as far as I'm concerned, as long as Million Dollar Man Cameron Grimes gets them there, they're going to hit a million viewers. They'll be fine. AEW's doing its thing on Wednesdays. It's better for the wrestling fans, better for everybody. <laughs> All right, and then uh, next we have uh, Molly Holly and Eric Bischoff are going into the WWE 2021 Hall of Fame. Um, now, Roger, do you think that this Hall of Fame class is strong, or do you think that they just need to put some people in? I would say their Hall of Fame classes are starting to suffer from the thing that we said a few years ago, which is when you put everybody in early, you start to run out of big names. There are people who retired five years ago who should probably be in right now who they've already long since inducted. And not that Eric Bischoff isn't worthy, not that Molly Holly isn't worthy, 
But if you kind of look at the major names in WWE history, I don't know how many people you have left who aren't in. I don't know if The Rock's in and, and The Undertaker isn't in. That's it. I think of the massive names, those are the two that you have. That's that's too many. Like you just there's a waiting period in every other sport for a reason. WWE needs to do the same thing. You don't need to rush to put in Shawn Michaels. You don't need to rush to put in Edge. Obviously, he came back nine years later, but it's fine. You know, Undertaker doesn't need to be the class of next year. Give it some time. You know, be patient, and then you won't have this problem. Actually, I kind of disagree with you on that, though, Roger. Um, as we've seen, though, a lot of wrestlers have passed away early, and I'm wondering if that maybe Vince is like, let's try and cash in now, and that's why they put some of those people in. Because you know, I mean, I don't know. Do you think Edge was in danger of dying? Exactly. Shawn Michaels was in danger of dying. Now, Kurt Angle, admittedly, I think for a long time we were concerned that he might be on suicide watch and he had a real big pill problem. I'm not even uh, – no, he actually, I guess, was inducted. Um, look, wrestlers die early. That's not a, a question about it. Ultimate Warrior basically like died two nights after he was inducted in the Hall of Fame. It wasn't like they rushed to put him in the moment he retired. It was just a you know very strange coincidence. Um so, you know, if the point was we don't want them to die early, how about you change the industry so the arrestors aren't dying at 45, not induct them at the Hall of Fame at 44? You know, that's what I'm getting at, though. I'm wondering if that's why they were trying to get some people in right, right away because you're like, well, we don't know what's going to happen. Or maybe they were, like, fearful that maybe one would go to, like, TNA or something. But yeah. uh, but, but do you really want your to say uh, WWE Hall of Famer to TNA or Hall of Famer mm-hmm. to AEW? I think that gives more credence to the let's wait and see what happens. That's true. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, I think to Roger's point, especially with like Bischoff and Molly Holly and uh, granted, like we have just started our Hall of Fame. You know, we only done it for two years and we were doing eight every single year uh, currently. And so, you know, at some point in time, right, we would eventually catch up. And Molly Holly, I don't think she would make it within 10 years, in my opinion. I don't think that she would. I think that there are other women that we'd put in before her. And Bischoff, like, yeah, there's probably a conversation for him, you know, down the line, probably not within next three years, I wouldn't think. I think that there's other people I would put in before him. Uh, you know, so that's like, it's much later down the road. Now, also, WWE, what they've been doing is doing groups. Hogan's already in the Hall of Fame. Scott Hall is already in the Hall of Fame. I think Nash is as well by himself. I don't know. But then they're like, oh, yeah, we're yes, putting the NW. Because he, he, they were going to try to put him in as Diesel, but he refused unless he went in as Kevin Nash. Because then he could use Kevin Nash on, or uh, WWE Hall of Famer on his resume and try to get uh, more money from bookers. Interesting. Well, yeah, so all three are already in. We're going to put them in again. Ric Flair is in again. You know, Shawn Michaels is in again. You know, so like, (laughs) I don't know if they're running out of ideas or what, but, you know, eh. either way, Molly Holly, everybody has said a nice thing about her. Uh, Everyone has talked about how an amazing person that she is. So like her going in great. Bischoff's contributions, obviously, like, you know, hands down, like totally understand why he's in. I'm a little surprised that they're going to put him in this year just due to the fact that he has been on AEW twice now within a couple months. Uh, maybe they're that desperate. That's the only thing I can think of. Probably. I mean, because like, you need someone, I think, kind of strong. And uh, I, I, I know I said this years ago, joking. I'm like, you know, eventually, sh- you know, the Hurricane's going to go in the Hall of Fame. And I'm not kidding you. I actually think that he may go in the next two years. Which is the sad part, and I hope my prediction's wrong. But I mean, like, I think that's that's what they're we're coming to at this point. I mean, I don't think Rick Martel's in, but you know, they might bring him in. 
I know there's rumor that the British Bulldog will go in this year too. Well, he went in last year. Or did he? Yeah. So I. Or is I, this so? I guess that's the question. Are they going to just do a ceremony for everybody for both last year and this year, or are they technically in and we just move on? No, I, I mean there'll no, be something. Doing something because uh, I saw a schedule for the network. They're actually because it's going to be on two nights for the Hall of Fame. If I remember right, it's Raw on Monday, Hall of Fame. I think it's Hall of Fame on Tuesday and Wednesday. No, that can't be right. No, NXT is on Wednesday and Thursday. So I think Hall of Fame was just one night, but you know. Before we move on, let me ask you guys a question. In our lifetime, do we ever see Owen Hart in the Hall of Fame? Nope. Uh, actually, I know I, I, I disagree. I think once uh, I think once she once uh, Martha passes away, I think that changes. Because I I truthfully believe that eventually someone's going to talk to either the you know one of Owen's kids, or they're going to finally see something. They're like, oh, like they hear all these good things, like kind of what AEW is going to be uh, pushing. Um, I, I just think that you'll see a lot of positive positivity because of it, and maybe so let me be there. Let me say this: uh, Owen Hart's son Oj um, has said that he will never let his father be inducted. I mean, like if you think about it, um, that was his dad, and he said that WWF took my dad away from me. Like, and Owen Hart was a family man. I mean, he was ready to retire. Like, he wanted to retire early because he loved being with his kids, and. Um, you know, he he won't allow that. Like he will continue on what Martha did. And I, I, I would recommend if uh, anybody listening has never seen the Dark Side of the Ring ep- episode about Owen Hart, like it's it's hard to watch because you watch it and you're just like kind of like uh, it, it, it pulls on heartstrings. Mm-hmm. And then you also realize just how like effed up, you know, every like what happened was um, and uh, it, it it was just bad all around. So I I will say I do not believe. And if if he does, like, you know, I'll, I'll donate you know a thousand dollars to the to a charity. You know, like I I would I feel that comfortable. Like I would say like I would bet a thousand dollars. No, that, like um, well, like I, I said, to... like I could go into more detail about it. But I I do believe that once Vince passes on, and I think actually when you see someone like Triple H in power, I do believe that maybe things will be a little bit different. I think that maybe he might be more open to it. I'm not saying that he's definitely going to have him, but I think that he may be open to it. Maybe. Just a little bit. I agree that you never say never, but yeah, yeah, I, like, I, I, am, I would say it's a, it's a long shot. Well, we didn't think that AEW was going to sign someone big, and they did. Christian uh, has signed with AEW, so he's now, uh, well, he's going to be appearing now, and apparently he's gonna, jumping right into the title picture. Doug, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> um, going right to the title picture was one of the things that I thought was a little strange. Um, but you know what? Get the you, you probably only have a few matches with him. I mean, he looks like he's in great shape, but who knows? Uh, being an older wrestler or older for wrestling, uh, how many uh, matches you have until you're that one magic bump that takes you back out. So get as the get as big a match as you can out of him as fast as you can. I kind of understand that, but I was really kind of hoping that he would come in, um, build up some other people and, uh, then build his way up to a big title match. I'd rather see Christian as the impact heavyweight champion. And then instead of Swan versus Omega, I'd rather Christian cage, uh, three time impact heavyweight champion now versus Kenny Omega 
because I think Christian really became a main event player when he was with TNA and with Impact, and him being the face of that brand and him leading the charge against the Good Brothers, I think would be an interesting story. In AEW, it feels like he's just a guy coming over from the WWE, but if you put him as kind of the face of Impact, even though I know he's from TNA, a lot of us associate Christian becoming the guy with TNA, so I would be much happier with his storyline if he were kind of the front line of Impact than just okay, I'm coming in, I'm coming after Kenny Omega, because as Doug said, he's, I want to say he's 47 years old. He's been retired since like WrestleMania 27. There's, you know, AJ Styles has said, there's only so many bumps you have in your bump card. Christian's closer to the end than he is the beginning. And he's a great talker. He's always had a decent look in my opinion, but I don't know that I don't need to see AEW do matches with guys from yesteryear. I want to see the Hangmans, the MJFs, you know, the, the current and the future Nothing against Christian Cage, but I'd say the same thing about Kurt Angle. I'd say the same thing about Big Show. I'm not here to watch you guys in title matches. I can watch the WWE Network. I don't want to watch that. I want to see the new guys, but let him be the impact guy. That doesn't bother me because I'm sorry. Rich Swan has no credibility as a champion. I give him a negative percent chance of beating Omega. If he were Christian Cage's impact champion, yeah, I'd give him like a two, three percent chance. Like maybe, maybe he pulls it off. Feel good story. You never know. So it'd be worth it in my opinion. They already screwed this up. You know what you could have done? You could have had Christian actually return to Impact Wrestling, have him wrestle, and then appear on AEW, and then it could have been a bigger deal, I think. But, you know, even, even if he just did, did the Impact thing for like a couple of months or even a couple of weeks, I think that would have been a big deal then. And they would have used it properly. And then they're like, hey, we got we got our Christian Cage back, put him out there, uh, made a little bit of money. Now he's in AEW. We can say he was here at one point, or, you know, but uh, Aaron, what do you think? Now, yeah, so the thing here, this I I like AEW. I think that they have missteps. I think this is the biggest missteps, you know, top five of the year. It's a short year, but top five of the year. Uh, they Big Show comes out and says, sorry, Paul White comes out and says, I have a major announcement. We are we are signing a Hall of Fame worthy talent. And so the speculation, people were saying Kurt Angle, and people were disappointed. Like people were saying, like it's gonna be Kurt Angle. They're like, oh man, that's not that big of a deal. And it's like, okay, well, like you just raised the bar. Like they were expecting CM Punk, John Cena, The Undertaker. I mean, the people were just going like crazy with their speculation. And it's Christian, which is like, hey, you know, Christian's okay. But like people were let down by that. But imagine if Christian just came out randomly at Revolution, you know, like if if they had something set up where he came out and confronted, you know, Moxley or not Moxley, Omega. You know, if there was something that happened where he actually comes out and then it's like, oh, that's a surprise. Christian is in AEW. That's a shocker. You know, I think that them announcing it before you set the expectations way too high. And even if you didn't, even if you weren't the one that set that that high, if you're saying, hey, we're going to sign somebody. Like, I just think that it was a mistake. And in, in my opinion, the way that they they went about it, I would have booked this way differently than what they had done. Would you have put Paul White on uh, as the as the big signee and then have Christian Cage come out like at some point at the main event? If I'm fantasy booking this, I would have had a match where it was like, you know, uh, something on a pole or like, you know, a, a ladder match was well, essentially like they had the you know press ring one. But I would do one where like essentially uh, somebody gets uh, like uh, they had what Ethan Page, I think the guy's name was. I hadn't heard of him before, but you have like that those types of level of talent where you like get to see them and understand who they are. And then maybe have Christian come out and be like, no, you know what? I'm going to be the talent, you know, like and be like, do kind of a heel, kind of a dickish move. Be like, yeah, I'm Hall of Fame worthy. I'm like, I'm a good I'm you know what? You guys are lucky to have me here. Like I would have done something like that where you kind of like 
put him like kind of a tweener role almost where like you don't know what he is going to do. So that way he can challenge Omega or he could challenge Moxley, you know, because those are two people he's never faced before because he had been gone for seven years. So you would have an opportunity potentially to go a, a few different routes. Like I would have done something, I, I think, very differently. I, I, I would have just had him shown up, though. I would not have had an, uh, expectations going in. All right. So the something weird that happened was that Andrade, um, he actually requested his release. Apparently he was just fed up and uh, he won out of the WWE. Uh, so Charlotte F- Flair's um, husband uh, is no longer with the WWE. Roger, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think they're just engaged. I don't believe they're married yet. I'm not even sure if they're that far. But I think it is long overdue. He is a poster boy of someone who was great in NXT and used properly and went up to the main roster and they had nothing for him. It just it, the, the lit, We could do a full show of the list of people who have been misused from NXT coming up to Raw and SmackDown. And I would say Andrade's probably in that top five. You have needed a new superstar, a Hispanic superstar, if that's to be believed, since Rey Mysterio was basically kind of shown to be on his last legs. They pushed Del Rio, a guy who is mediocre in every single possible way, except for his ability to be a piece of crap outside the ring, that he's outstanding in. Um, And you have a guy like Andrade, who is fantastic, who can go. You had a great manager in Selena Vega, and apparently it just was not his destiny to be given anything more than the United States Championship. Um, I truthfully hope he goes to NJPW and goes back to being a featured player, and I hope Aleister Black follows him right out the door. And I do, I do agree with that statement, definitely. What do you think, Doug? I think this is a long time coming, just due to the fact that they truly haven't had anything for Andrade to do. Uh, when he asked for his release and they officially... Uh, First off, said no, and then I think he went to Charlotte and said, "Hey, honey, I kind of want out." And then Charlotte went and talked with him, and now he gets his release. Uh, I think that's kind of funny how that works. But then it also leads to now all of a sudden Charlotte's no longer in the WrestleMania card. So, kind of interesting how things are uh, and the dominoes are falling. But um, I-, I think this is good for Andrade. Uh, I think this will also be a signal to those who. Uh, are stuck in WWE right now uh, in that nice little limbo area where they hardly appear and uh, go on, uh, you know, the Ricochets, uh, Aleister Blacks, uh, and and more of the AEW uh, NXT stars uh, that were great down there and then misused on, on Raw or SmackDown. So where he line... Uh, Lance, I think, would be I, – I would figure AAA is where he will go. Um, it would be kind of cool to see him in uh, NJPW, but I think he'll be great wherever he does land. Yeah, I actually think where he'll actually go is I think – I don't think he'll go to AEW. I think he's going to go down to Mexico, make a lot of money down there, and you know, wrestle here and there. And hopefully him and uh, Mr. Tommy End, as he said in a tweet, uh, will get to face each other again. So, all right, so – the, I I would argue probably the biggest news. Uh, Bobby Lashley wins the WWE title um, to the again the most underrated superstar ever. Um, Aaron, what do you think about that? I think this was a long time coming. Uh, Bobby Lashley uh, is he looks 
like what Vince wants in a wrestler. He looks like he's chiseled out of marble. The guy is like 44 years old, too. Like, I I will never look that like even if I was like 25, I wouldn't look that good. Right. Like he is a behemoth. They have him with, with MVP, who I will say I was not a fan of MVP's first run in WWE. I actually really liked his TNA run, which sounds bizarre, but I actually liked what he did in TNA and then his run with WWE when he came back, what he was doing. I really enjoyed it. And I like what they've been doing with the Hurt Business. I think him and Lashley paired together are fantastic. I really like it. Uh, I actually would have had Lashley probably win at um, the pay-per-view. You know, I know that they were doing, you know, Miz was uh, doing the heel thing. He ran away, you know, uh, and, you know, he claimed to be hurt. And then he like they ring the bell. He runs away immediately, which I, I've been saying, like, that's what you should do, especially as somebody like the Miz, like great storytelling. Honestly, I loved it. Uh, but Bobby Lashley, he definitely deserved it. I think him versus McIntyre. This is where uh, the problem I had was they actually faced each other earlier this year. And I said that I, I wouldn't have done that because like Lashley is somebody that I want. You should believe that he could potentially take the title off of him. Um, and at the time, it's like, no, I don't believe it. And now it's better. They built him up a little bit more. Um, I would have preferred to see this as their first meeting, um, you know, him versus McIntyre. Uh, um, but Lashley, him winning good thing, probably smart move. And it gives him and drew potentially a good, um, uh, a nice looking feud going into WrestleMania. I think it's a good setup move, uh, in the aspect of if you weren't going to bring back a Brock Lesnar or somebody from the outside, um, having Bobby Lashley there, who is a, is definitely a, a great presence and somebody who legitimately looks like he could hold on to the title. It gives a little bit of uh, questionable whether or not Drew can uh, overpower Bobby Lashley. So it, it's a good setup. I we'll see how WWE does it. I'd like uh, I'll wait till the actual WrestleMania match um, before I can truly decide on whether or not this was a good feud or not. Um, but so far, it's been it's been good. I don't like the way that we got here. Like, I think to Aaron's point, I would have never had Lashley face him in one of those throwaway title matches early in Drew's reign. I absolutely would have not had Miz win the title to only drop it because I think there's something to Lashley being the guy who ended McIntyre's reign. And I wouldn't have had Orton beat him either. I would have had an undefeated, not undefeated, but uh, Drew McIntyre would have had his entire reign from beating Lesnar to losing in the chamber and Bobby Lashley wins. And then now at this point, you can say, you know what? I'm the one who stopped your reign. I'm the guy who ended your 11 month championship title and you can't beat me. And they've never faced before in one of those throwaway matches and not WrestleMania. We're all questioning. Can Drew McIntyre beat Bobby Lashley? That, that that story writes itself. Instead, we you know, and look, look, the Miz thing was funny and it was smart, but he was the definition of a transitional champion. I don't think that added anything to the story. Uh, Lashley beating him up in a sneak attack doesn't show me the same type of dominance that it would have if he wins the Elimination Chamber. So, I don't know. I'm okay with this. I don't think the build has been particularly special to this just because of the way that we got here. Um, and, and like Doug, I have concerns about the match. Like I know McIntyre can go, but sometimes they book him into those stupid finisher fests where it's Claymore kick, Claymore kick, Claymore kick, and I don't know. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I, I don't think this feels like a WrestleMania main event right now, and that's a shame after the year that Drew had. But this this feels an act an afterthought to me. Now, Andy, I want to ask you because moving on from Bobby Lashley, let's talk about who he took the title off of, which is Miz, and he's been having this feud with Bugs Bunny. So that's his name, right? That's what our truth was calling him, Bugs Bunny. Okay, that just yeah. sounds okay. bad. Yeah. 
So. Yeah, Miz is Miz is taking on Bad Bunny in a singles match. I think we're all expecting a tag team, but he's doing a singles match. Uh, are you excited for the maybe slight downgrade there for Miz going into <laughs> WrestleMania? Well, I mean, he led the WWE into uh, you know the uh, 2021 season, uh, being your WWE champion. Um, he did get hurt, unfortunately, so he couldn't uh, perform the way he usually does. Uh, it's sad. That's just sad. But yeah, now he's taking on Bad Bunny, but the sad part is it's probably people are going to talk about it because of Bad Bunny. Um, that's only reason why they're going to talk about it. So. Yeah, it's it's one of those matches. I mean, it is one of those matches that, you know, is going to be Miz outshining and going down in defeat while, you know, of course, uh, Mor- Morrison is going to eat the pin. Everyone knows that. Uh, but Miz may eat well, it just because it's a, right now it's so underrated. Match. Yeah, singles match. It is a yeah, singles right match. Right now. Right now. It's not going to be a singles match. Everyone knows that. It's going to be, you know. I mean, we had Floyd Mayweather beat Big Show. We had mm-hmm. Lawrence Taylor beat Bam Bam Bigelow. It's okay. not unprecedented. First off, Floyd Mayweather, I yeah, he could do whatever. Uh, it doesn't matter. He's he's money. That's why everyone hates him. <laughs> so, but uh, Yeah, that's why everyone hates him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, okay, Andy, here's the truth. Have you mentally prepped yourself for Bad Bunny pinning the Miz in the middle of the ring? I have him. I am already prepped to have him use one finger to pin the Miz. So, like finger poke of doom, bad. Yes. Like that's how prepared I am because I know there's no way it can be that bad. Where like, you know, uh, Damien comes in, beats the crap out of him, then you know, Bad Bunny comes over with a pinky and goes one, two, three, and then he's like, "Yep." On a, on a scale of 1 to 10 for all three of you, how excited for this match are you? That's Miz. It's not for us. It's not for us, right? This sh- match should be on Miz, Miz and Mrs. or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah. It, it's not for us. It's it's for press. It's, you know, it's so that way they can get, you know. Clickbait. I, I, yeah, I mean, like, I was going to say, like, E, but, like, that's showing my age, right? Like, I was going to say, it's for E to talk about, right? Or Hollywood Tonight. I don't even know if those are on anymore. It's for Twitter, right? It's for Twitter. Did you guys see Bad Bunny is wrestling? That's what it's for, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so, moving on, Edge and Roman are spear versus spear. It's rumored right now. I haven't seen reports, but it is rumored that Daniel Bryan, because he does not have a match, they're going to do a three-way, apparently, at WrestleMania. Roger, uh... WrestleMania 30, Daniel Bryan wins the WWE title uh, and the World Heavyweight title in a three-way. Apparently now he's going to be also in a, another one. Um, don't think he has a chance of winning, but he'll be there to take the pin. What do you think, if it is a three-way, do you think that's a good move, or do you think you would stay with uh, just two people? I think a three-way will increase the, both the match quality, um, because right now, look, Roman is on fire as a performer. He's a great heel. I look edge has wrestled two, three matches. I think since he's come back, none of them have been particularly amazing. In my opinion, um, the last Manchini match just went forever. And the greatest match of all time or whatever they were promoting it as was, you know, a solid match. I don't know that edge and Roman are compatible enough to have a great match, but you throw Daniel Bryan in there, boy, you're going to have a really good match. Now, Brian's not going to win. He's there specifically to eat the pinfall. But in this case, I don't think that's a bad thing for a couple of reasons. It gives Edge a chance to win. I, I just didn't believe that Edge was going to go over Roman Reigns. Edge is, I think, 47, 48, 49. He has no logical reason to be beating Roman Reigns at the top of his game. 
But him pinning Daniel Bryan after like a spear from Roman makes sense. You can totally see it happening. Also, I, I guess I'd give Brian like a 1% chance of stealing the pinfall from Edge or something screwy happens. Like in a triple threat, Brian has a chance to beat Edge. He's, no one's going to pin Roman. Like we, you know, I know I've said this before and we've been wrong because it was Brock Lesnar. I bet the house that Roman is not going to be the one tapping out. He's not going to be the one taking the pinfall. So if it's him versus Edge, it means kind of Roman's winning. In a triple threat, I, I think you just have a much more interesting set of circumstances going on. <laughs> How much you want to bet the Usos get to wrestle Daniel Bryan on a two-on-one handicap match in order for Daniel Bryan to be wrestling on Sunday night? I was going to say Triple H also doesn't have a match for WrestleMania, so maybe he needs to beat Triple H again in order to get into a three-way. But if Triple H wins, does he come into the match? Yep. Also, how does Batista get what he wants? What he really, really wants? What he really, really wants. Give him what he wants what he really really wants i tell you hey andy i want to i want to i want to move to the next topic and <laughs> and we have the new day winning their 11th tag team titles doug what do you think about that yay i mean I, i'm surprised there's still a tag team division I know. Uh, you don't hear about it usually. You don't hear about tag teams. So, uh, but uh, yeah, unfortunately. Um, but yeah. So, Aaron, what do you think? Uh, you know, I I like the new day. I, it, it's a bit much. You know, there's a point in time where uh, Ric Flair having as many titles as he has, it was he held them for a very long period of time. Like Orton being a 14 time champion, it's like well. He literally held a title for like a few minutes, you know, like eh, who really. And with New Day, I like them a lot. And they held the I think it was it was been in the raw tag titles at the time for uh, it was three, four hundred some days. Uh, they beat Demolition's record, which was, you know, well deserved. But, you know, they've had also some really light reigns. The thing that I'm more interested in, though, is that they decided to hotshot the titles to them. And then AJ and Omos decided, hey, we want to challenge you at WrestleMania. I was just like, oh. I mean, I guess this is the route that we're going. I guess it is WrestleMania season, so now everybody has to like hurry up. Hey, hey, I need a match for WrestleMania. Uh, what are you doing? Uh, do you want to go with me? Like, I, I just don't want to be the loser and not have a match. So, like, you know, let's let's go ahead and do it. So I, they're gonna have a match there. You know, I don't know what they're gonna end up doing with this. The AJ almost pairing is it's fine. Um, you know, so I don't know if they're gonna hotshot the titles from them from New Day back to AJ and them. AJ's never held the tag title, so maybe they do that. But. Uh, I don't know. I'm not that interested in this, and that's unfortunate because I think that uh, three of the four are really good performers. So <laughs> it'd be better if you had somebody else in there with them. Okay, can we talk about the fact that Aaron basically compared WrestleMania to like prom? Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's what it kind of felt like, right? Like it kind of feels like that. They they announced the Drew McIntyre Bobby Lashley match on Twitter. They said and announced today on Twitter. It's like what? Like that? So really? Who asked, do you think Lashley asked Drew to WrestleMania or Drew asked Lashley to WrestleMania? No. So Drew was uh, embarrassed. So he went to MVP and asked MVP to ask Lashley. So, and Lashley said, maybe. Uh, maybe he sent him a note and he gave him two options to circle. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, so I going to this tag match, because Aaron said exactly what I feel about this. Three of the four really good almost moves like he has 95-year-old knees. Um. Have we considered the fact that New Day might be tag team vampires? And the reason that they've never had to split up is that they feed off the energy of all the other tag teams who are forced to split up so that they can stay together. Because 
they are this bizarre exception to the overwhelming rule that has been allowed to stay together for six years now. I mean, that's an eternity in WWE. We've seen tag teams created, built up, and split apart in significantly less time, and yet New Day seems to just rise above all of it and stay together. I wish I cared. I, I, I mean... You know, at one point in time, New Day was part of the, one of the better tag divisions when you had the Bludgeon Brothers, really rest in peace, uh, the Usos, New Day. Uh, I believe American Alpha might have even still been part of it. I think you had Rusev Day. Uh, you know, it was just a really fun time on SmackDown. And these Raw tag teams, I could care less. Like, it just, their division is not strong enough to have two separate uh, titles and you have stuff like this that feels thrown together. And that's a shame. AJ Styles should never be in a thrown together match. There should have been a program built around him for months. And instead he's thrown together in a random tag match. And that is indicative of the disaster that raw is. So quick question for everybody, please answer as quick as possible. Who did the new day beat? Hurt business. Oh, okay. I, I, I honestly couldn't remember who was the tag team champions. It, that's the only other tag team I know. So I mean, they, they have. I don't. So know. that's the that's the Raw Tag Team Champions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, who's the SmackDown Tag Team Champions? Street Fight. I legit don't know. No, it's uh, not that they lost it. Um, oh yeah. Uh, uh, Rude and uh, Ziggler. Rude and Ziggler are a team. Again. You see, uh, WWE, as you had mentioned, Roger, New Day was a t- has been a tag team for a really long time, and WWE is like, whoa, 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 we don't like tag teams, so let's just put two random singles together. And that'll you mean be like fine. AJ and Omos? Yeah, because except that for they're sense. not really singles. Uh, and, and would you call it a friendship? Because I don't know if this match is going to have trust issues. It feels very HBK Diesel like. I'm going to be honest with you. It would not surprise me if Omos turned on AJ here. Like he, he messes up, AJ gets mad, starts yelling at him. Omos decides to give him a WrestleMania moment and put him in his place with like a huge choke slam. That wouldn't shock me because you know yes, Vince is like Deacon and. Batista? Uh, Deacon Batista and Devon Dudley, yeah. Yeah. I, I, honestly, almost is going to get a way bigger push than he deserves because of his size, but that guy looks as stiff as Great Collie when he moves. Like, yeah, he I, I have no faith in his ability to put together even a D. De- like, Braun Strowman, I, he's not a great wrestler, but he at least looks fluid in the ring. Almost looks uncomfortable walking. Like, my knees hurt <laughs> when I watch him walk. Like, all he should be is a guy who stands up there and look intimidated. The moment he has to move, it is so slow, and it is so just like anyone on the roster could outrun you, dude. Like, you just have no movement, and it's going to be bad. Yeah. And Vince is going to love it. <laughs> so let's move on to uh, The Fiend returning. Now, Doug, you I know had a lot you wanted to say about this. This is um, – I mean, this is their storyline matches kind of thing in the – the hooky spooky aspects of it. And it's part of the stuff that I absolutely adore. Um, you know, it, it hasn't been great just due to the fact that I think this has been way too long. Uh, and they keep extending Orton versus the fiend for, I don't know how long they've been feuding, but I think that's just the running thing with Orton is when you have a feud with Orton, you're going to feud with him for two to three years. So, uh, the Fiend returning at the, the pay-per-view wasn't necessarily surprised. We all knew it was kind of coming to set up the match at WrestleMania. I think the biggest thing was the, the fact that they actually let Alexa pin Orton 
and the way that she pinned him uh, was just so dominant. Uh, being on top, uh, definitely, definitely a power top move right there. Um, <laughs> that that's a sad part because Randy was definitely uh, he was definitely on the losing end on that one. Uh, and, uh, he he definitely took a stiff ending uh, at the the, the final <laughs> the final move. He had to put her over. That's the best thing to do. You just need to put her over. Yep. And uh, that's the best way to do it. And, uh, of course, uh, Randy's wife did not like that at all. I'm going to say it was the best finish of the night, though. Like, 100%. (laughs) I don't think you're going to top that. Alexa might. Was it the cream of the crop? Yeah, I mean, it was the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop rises to the top, and that was a fantastic finish. Oh, my gosh. I just realized that that is jump around. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> this feels like you know how in horror movies, right? You have Jason one, and you have Jason two, and like at first it's kind of cool and novel, and then you get to like Jason showing up in New York playing goalie, and you're like, ooh, <laughs> maybe we jump the shark a little bit. We got to go to space next. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. Gonna say space. Go space, right? Like so, the fiend in space. I'm sure. And look, having said all of this, if we get Firefly, Funhouse, Randy Orton might be the match of the night. I absolutely loved his thing on Cena. If they're willing to actually go in-depth with the things that Orton has done, and I'm talking about his drug usage, um, going AWOL from the Marines, the stuff that he did backstage, nothing should be off limits. Go into how WWE has protected him, how they changed the policy for him. Let Bray just absolutely rip him apart and talk about how he has been the golden boy and the poster boy and how he's gotten every opportunity despite the fact that he hasn't deserved it based on his actions outside of the ring, not saying anything about his in-ring talent. That match would be amazing. But boy, other than that, I could give a crap less about this. Alexa Bliss has been the only entertaining thing about this feud for me. I just, I thought the ending to, was it TLC when they, when he was burned alive? Mm Mm-hmm. That top five dumbest things of that month for WWE because <laughs> <laughs> just, just of the month, right? <laughs> just in just December. But I think I had said that that was a top five worst thing WWE's ever done. Yeah, you did, and then. I think we had an argument about that wasn't even the dumbest thing they'd done in like that year. <laughs> I, I I think it was like probably like maybe top ten that they've ever done, but. You know, because like Katie Vick is going to be up there. Katie Vick is easily a top five. I mean, there were two Hell in a Cell matches that ended in a no contest. Definitely that is significantly worse than an Inferno match. Well, not not even the Inferno part, but the like literally burning a man. Like you're killing a person. Like you're literally killing a person. They've done that a bunch of times. I mean, Undertaker killed Paul Bear. Vince McMahon died in a limo. I mean, yeah, and that stuff's stupid. Like, like I said, I think that's stupid. You know, it's not unprecedented though. I'd say, like, it's it's pretty commonplace. As long as they don't want to press charges, everything's fine. I I I think murder though, you probably can, right? Well, when you eventually return, you can say, "No, I didn't want to press charges. I'm back." How many people has Undertaker put in a... They had a buried alive match. That's attempted murder, Doug. Like, if yep. I bury somebody in, a, in the middle of a cemetery, I think I'm going to get an um, attempted murder charge. Well, I think it's signed in the contract that you won't press charges from the grave. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> also, his look. I, I think they're going for the Freddy Krueger look. That's what it kind of felt like to me. Looks like bacon. Yeah, I... 
I like Bray. I think he does some cool stuff, but I, I kind of preferred cult leader Bray over supernatural horror Bray. And I prefer that he did this more like uh, Finn Balor does the demon where mm-hmm. it's a multi attraction and something that you see every now and then. And maybe he goes to that dark place, have like some in-depth storytelling. I'm like, I can't beat this guy. So I'm going to tap into a side of me that I don't f- fully trust. Cause seeing it's like anything, right? If you keep seeing the monster, it's not scary anymore. The, the, the fear is that you build up to it. You don't get to see it. You know, it's coming. They didn't really tease this other than Alexa doing it. Right. I wanted to see not just him spitting up blood and liquid. I wanted to see him jumping. I wanted to see him losing his mind. I wanted to see him peeking around corners to the point where finally Orton gets sick of it. And then he wants Wyatt because he's tired of being tormented as opposed to, Oh, look, he ripped up the ring. Okay. He's back. Now, speaking of one killer, Let's talk about Killer Cross or Carrying Cross as he's now known. Him and Finn Balor are going to be going at it at uh, the NXT Takeover event uh, here in the next uh, couple weeks. Andy, I know you're a fan of both these guys. Do you think that this is going to be a, a fantastic match, like a, a classic like Takeover match that they've been having? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, I'd be actually be surprised if Takeover stunk in uh, multiple multiple reasons. But yeah. I, I just don't see how the you can go wrong with this. I mean, what they're doing with NXT, I'm so happy with uh, the take with takeover and just everything that's happening uh, with them. Uh, overall, yeah, I mean, they're going to deliver. It's going to be good. I just would like to see some of the. It seems they add something into most of the matches that they didn't have before, whether it's something uh, sadistic or something messed up. Like uh, we'll just use uh, Chris Hero as an example. What he did with Matt Riddle's foot. So uh, usually we see something weird like that. Uh, I'm looking forward to that part of it. Maybe not for this match, but oh well. We'll uh, see uh, how things go. Uh, Roger, what do you think about uh, you know Finn taking on Carrying uh, Cross? First off, if I never see somebody bite another man's foot, it'll be too soon. <laughs> Sorry about that, by the way. Yeah, it's all good. Um, I, so I'm excited, but let me say that kind of the way I felt about. Um, MJF going into his first big pay-per-view match. I was like, I need to see that this guy can really have that kind of match that makes me believe he's the future. I need to see that from cross. I hadn't seen that, that breakout match that makes me go, huh, this is the type of guy I want at the top of the card because his match with Keith Lee to me was kind of underwhelming. I I, I didn't enjoy it that much. His match with Ciampa was fine, but it was too short to really get that, um, you know, kind of like, ooh, this is really good. I thought his match with uh, Santos is probably his best match since he's shown up in NXT. That was really good. Solid match with Priest. So, you know, I expect him and Ballard to absolutely tear it up. I What I liked about this is I could see either side winning. I, I kind of believe this is maybe Cross's swan song as well. I, I don't see what else he needs to accomplish in NXT. I think it's time for him to move to Raw SmackDown. He's got what Vince wants, which is he's ripped. He's got a hot blonde. I don't know what else. They're obviously not using Aleister Black, so they have a slot open for a darker character, and this he does seem to fit the bill, and he's much bigger than Aleister. Um, so I could see him losing. I could also see him winning and losing maybe in a rematch. Who knows? We might see the Demon. I, I think there's a lot of possibilities, and awesome. Like It, it should main event stand and deliver at night two, for sure. See, I feel actually the opposite right now in the fact that I think this is just a given that Karrion Cross is going to win the title um, unless the Demon shows up, which I think would be a pleasant surprise um, because he hasn't talked about the Demon in a long time. It's a big match. Karrion came out and won the, won the title the, to begin with. Um, so pending an injury, you know, Finn never gets the title. So... 
I think this is Karrion Cross's match to lose. Uh, but I think the odds are in Finn's favor a little bit more. Like I go from being 90% sure Karrion Cross wins versus Finn to maybe about a 60-40 if the demon shows up. I think it'd be a nice little surprise, a little bit more of a, hey, look, the demon returns to face off against Karrion Cross. Um, I think that would be a good match too. Um, so I guess overall, though, I go to the Meltzer kind of rating aspect where because it is uh, NXT, this match already starts at a five and can only go down. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I will say that uh, the Demon would be an interesting thing to have him come back, but uh, I think that's probably – I think you guys are right. That's the only way he's going to beat him. So let's talk about Cole versus O'Reilly. Uh, Roger, what do you think about this? I mean, they – Broke undisputed up. Do you think they're going the right direction? Um, trust issues for one. Just gonna say it again. It hurts. It was time now. The undisputed era needed to go their own separate ways. Adam Cole has Megastar written all over him by himself. My concern is for the other three guys. I don't see a path for them going forward at, on Raw or SmackDown. And I had my reservations about Adam Cole. We talked about that last time, but. This, I think Kyle O'Reilly needs to win here because Adam Cole is a made man. He's already established as one of the greatest of all time in NXT. But for Kyle O'Reilly to have any chance, he's got to get this big win against a top star and show that, hey, I belong in the main event. Because he already lost to Finn twice. I don't think he's beaten the main eventer. Like, he hasn't beaten that top guy yet. And I like this feud. Like, I, I'm enjoying it. And I'm, I'm a little concerned about where they go going forward. Like, I don't want to see three matches of these two. I'm fine with a rematch. You know, if they want to do it at TakeOver Brooklyn or wherever they go in the summer, that's fine. I don't want this to be Gargano uh, Ciampa. I don't want to see three four matches of this. I want them to try to kill each other here and move their separate ways. But I'm also scared that this could be Cole Swansong. And if he shows up the night after Raw, boy, is his career screwed. Like, I just, I have no faith in Vince to use him properly because he's, Six foot, and I put that in quotation marks. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that this will be a, a great match. Uh, these two had a really good feud in uh, Ring of Honor. Uh, Adam Cole was the second, third ever uh, two-time champion for Ring of Honor, and uh, Adam, Kyle O'Reilly actually took the title from him, so that's when he had moved from being tagged to doing singles. And uh, O'Reilly only held the title for 33 days. And amazingly enough, they actually wrestled at Wrestle Kingdom 11 in Tokyo. And that's where Cole took the title from him, uh, which was just kind of, you know, like have the match there. You were expecting a throwaway. Um, you know, it's going to be his first title defense. And he lost. It, it was kind of shocking. So, uh, you know, they have a history together. They have good chemistry, obviously, as friends. But also they're going to have some pretty good chemistry as, you know, foes. And so I think that this match probably will steal the show. I, I would have this match um, away from uh, Cross and Balor because I think that that match will probably suffer based on what happens with uh, Colin O'Reilly. Oh, yeah, they need to be different nights, 100%. They cannot be on the same show because this match is going to outshine Balor Cross. Mm -hmm. The feud's there. I mean, just to be quite honest, we've been talking about Civil War for a year and a half. Yeah, so, I mean... Yeah, I'm I'm going to be uh, excited to see how this is going to play out. Uh, it's going to be great talking about it afterwards. Um, like this, I never thought we'd be talking about a barbed wire death match 
And we, you know, we talk about how, you know, it's unsafe and uh, it can be. Um, but in this case, uh, Doug, would you like to talk about Gilbert's entrance? This was highly unexpected. Um, the match itself was great. And then you got to the finish and it just undermined everything. In the fact that, and I understand it was a botch uh, with the mechanical aspect and the uh, the pyrotechnics and everything like that, but it just killed it. In and it wasn't anything like I expected it to be. Just knowing the the brutality that Kenny Omega and Moxley have shown beforehand, I was truly expecting that one of these people were going to die in this match and then it turned into you know like I said great match with a horrible horrible ending and it just just really unfortunate that we couldn't see what it was supposed to do um but eh. and I think they've also actually now you bring that up what it what the explosion was originally supposed to look like I'm surprised mm-hmm. they didn't do that but I mean, there's so much stuff that you can go storyline wise with it too, and uh, you know, uh, they had uh, they had him come out and say that it was, you know, what do you expect when you make up the plans in Cran? I mean, I guess yeah. Uh, I think it would be funny too that they, you know, came out and said, um, you know, that they just wanted to make uh, Moxley and Kingston look stupid. But then that means you assumed that Kingston was going to come out. Mm, I think Eddie did it. I mean, you, you, you truly see the the great promo work that Eddie Kingston can do because he came out and he's he sold it out and just be like, this is why I passed out. I passed out because I thought I was going to lose my friend and everything like this and, and the stress level of it. And, and he sold it. He made it work. Uh, Eddie Kingston, great on the mic and everything like that. Uh, may not have the look of a of a true wrestling star, but the guy can sell anything out of a paper bag. And so it's just it's just one of those things that, you know, uh, a pay-per-view is always going to be remembered for its main event. And for what was what seemed like a decent pay-per-view, everything after because that main event just went down so many points. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I. Have been very open that I really enjoy AEW. I like what they're doing, but if this were WWE, the first thing I would say is you are judged by your ending. We judge WrestleMania 31 much more favorably because Heist of the Century was awesome. Even though, to be quite honest, the, the card was okay when you had that high of an ending, it feels really good. Conversely, when you end the night like WrestleMania 32 with a bad Roman versus Hunter match, it makes the rest of the card look meh. So... And, you know, one thing I, I have to disagree with, Doug, I didn't think the match was great. I thought the match was okay. It, it was very much built around the barbed wire, which was annoying to me, though I, I will admit the, the one-wing angel kickout via the a barbed wire was an unbelievably genius move. I thought that was the best way to keep that move looking strong while mm-hmm. basically forcing yourself to sacrifice it. So good on them. I just, I, I didn't, you know, going in, I didn't want it. I thought it was stupid. The ending was predictable with the interference. It's why I wanted a cage match or something to keep the Good Brothers away. And yeah, for all that, and that build up, 
I mean, we got Gilbert's interest. That's what I was supposed to be terrified of with the sparklers. I, yeah, I mean, and look, it was a botch. Eddie Kingston did a great job of selling it. I don't think Omega and Callus did a particularly good job. They just look juvenile and stupid and not in the old DX way. Um, them coming out talking about 69 me and, and uh, we took away your happiness was kind of like, yeah, I get what you're going for, but you, you just sound dumb. Since you said you were building the chamber specifically to eliminate Moxley, so you just guessed that Kingston would come out and then you pump faked us and, and I was dumb. Um, yeah, I don't ever do this again. It was stupid to begin with. I'm glad no one got hurt. I never need to see it again. Barbed wire matches are not entertaining to me. I, I just don't find that good. There, there are plenty of good, vicious, violent matches, whether you want to do Last Man Standing, Hell in a Cell, War Games. Those are fine violent matches. I don't want to see barbed wire explosions. I don't want to see... Uh, you know, let's take glass and start cutting each other. I don't want to see CZW garbage. I want to see good wrestling between great wrestlers. If this is New Jack and Sandman, so be it. But this is two of the top five, ten wrestlers in the world. They should have been able to wrestle and not this nonsense. Yeah. Well, and to that point, too, they when they were doing trying to, like, get get them into the barbed wire and trying to get the explosion and everything, which actually, like, that worked, but then they did the big spot on the outside into that kind of like cardboard table thing that had, you know, barbed wire on it and had like a little like explosion at the end. And it was like, well, that the impact to that isn't that big. Like if that barbed wire wasn't there and you did that onto the floor, like, you know, pads and everything, like that would have been a big move, you know? And instead you did a like, and it didn't look that big. It, you, so you lessen the impact even more but the, the price you paid for it was, you know, even like way greater than that. And so that's the problem I had with this. And I, you know, I listened to our last episode, uh, I think just the other day and in there, you know, it was a, like, this is a garbage match. You are doing CZW stuff, just like Roger said, and you are wasting the talents of these two wrestlers. And they still did. And I'm very glad I said, I will eat my words. Maybe this was a fantastic match. I will eat my words if, you know, if it is. And like, I have no problem being like, yeah, it was, it was an okay match, but this was a waste. This was a, a massive waste. And that pay-per-view, I compare like, and granted, like Doug and I probably are going to be a little biased because mm-hmm. we happened to be there the previous year. That pay-per-view was fantastic. You had a brand new champion at the end. You had the the best match of the year that everybody picked that uh, literally everybody in the world picked as the best match of the year on that card and a bunch of other like quality matches. So you compare that to this revolution and you're like, mm, you know, like maybe they're going to have to do something, maybe, you know, to, step up their game for the 2022 one because it this was not it i I actually think the pay-per-view itself was kind of a a little bit of a misstep too i think that it was like i'd be very upset if i paid full price for it is what i is all i would say and so where's omega gonna go from here now doug well i think uh and i I hate saying this is this really has dampened my my mood on on everything due, due to the fact that I have been so high on Omega, his run, and um, I guess expectations not leading to uh, what what reality was. Uh, but now he gets to go to act and take on Rich Swan. Really, you couldn't <laughs> let Moose take on get the championship to have a really, really, really good match. You have the two hundred five champion versus Omega, and. I'm not excited for this match just due to the fact that something like my expectations and, and aspects of this now are just (sighs) kind of down. 
and, and the fact that you know something else is probably going to happen. Um, where where I was very very excited about Omega going around and collecting belts. It makes sense, I guess, to protect uh, Impact. That if Swan loses the the championship, that then Moose comes out and says, "Well, I declare myself still as the TNA champion," since that was a, a unification match was what they had uh, to be Impact and TNA champion. So maybe you do it that way and and you save save face a little bit. But unless Omega takes this championship and just runs over Swan, this is going to be probably an okay match uh, with a horrible ending again. Um, yeah, I I think the ending to Omega's run, which I foresee happening with um, Hangman Page, probably standing victorious at the end, will be great. I think there's a lot of potential for Omega to do great things. I don't think Rich Swan is one of those great things. And to me... He is a top-tier superstar and should be facing top-tier superstars. Moose seems more like a superstar to me than Rich Swan. Um, I said earlier I thought Chris Cage, or Christian Cage would have a better choice. I'd much mm-hmm. rather him be fighting someone from NJPW. Uh, I, I want to say Rush might be the champion in Ring of Honor. He seems like a much better choice than Rich I mean, just Rich Swan, and not to use the WWE stink on him, because just because you're a cruiserweight doesn't mean you're not a superstar by any means. But Rich Juan never seemed like a star to me. This isn't Rey Mysterio. This isn't uh, Ray Phoenix Jr. This is an okay cruiserweight who kind of just shows how mediocre the Impact roster is. And I'm supposed to believe he's going to beat Kenny Omega? No. Like, like, I'm sure the match will be fine, but no. This is I, I, this is disappointing and this is a waste. And, you know, when, when we talked at the beginning of the year, Doug was like, this belt collector thing could be amazing. I hope it picks up soon because right now this is not it. Uh, this, if this keeps going this path and we're going to look back on this and probably talk about biggest disappointment of the year was mm-hmm. the uh, cross promotion storyline because we thought it was going to be something it turned out not to be, which part of that's our own fault. We all fantasy book as wrestling fans, but I don't think anybody said Kenny Omega versus Rich Juan is a dream match. I, I just don't see it. <laughs> I think that's the point they make, right? Is dream match, you know? That is not, you know, Moose is definitely more of a dream match. And I think that that was a, a big misstep on Impact's part. And obviously the the partnership they had, too. It's like, well, who should he face? Like, well, Moose would be a big, you know, that'd be a pretty big addition. And maybe they have him beat Rich Swan and then Moose beats Omega. That's a huge deal, you know, to for Moose to say, like, I beat the AEW world champion and I brought our belt back home. All right. You know, like probably a little bit better. But I will say, uh, looking at ahead to Double or Nothing, which I believe is their next big uh, pay-per-view, which will be um, on uh, Memorial Day weekend, we have, you know, Omega potentially taking on Kingston, but he might be the in-between, so he might take on Christian at that pay-per-view. Now, do you, Doug, do you see either one of those two as kind of the next opponent for Omega, and is that something that excites you to see them? That's possible. Um I don't know. I think Kingston is more of the let's get to uh, Christian as the championship. Uh, as I said before, with Christian in AEW, um, and to Roger's point too, and the fact that you only have so many more bumps, um, save Christian for your big pay per view matches. Uh, save him for what what could be in and uh, 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 good and 
very good quality match and everything like that. Um, so I think Christian at uh, double or nothing would be a lot better uh, than Kingston. But I mean, it just depends on where they go. It's it's kind of hard to to book Omega just due to the fact that he is doing the uh, interpromotional thing. Who knows? By the time we get to double or nothing, maybe we have somebody from another company, whether it be Ring of Honor or NJPW, uh, that shows up to put on a bigger match than Christian or Kingston would be. WWE? Not yet. If WWE puts somebody against their against AEW's champion, I like. I will donate a thousand dollars to a charity. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll add that as well. If that if that happens this year, all right, I'll match that. Yeah. I, I will absolutely match that thousand dollar bet if WWE is willing to jump in on this cross promotion. What if Jinder what, what becomes if WWE champion? comes out and says that they just lent uh, Christian to AEW and that he's been under the WWE contract the whole time? I you know what I might I like I'll do, donate to the Heart Foundation is what I'll yeah, do. I'll, I'll like, accept that because I don't believe they're willing. I don't think they're willing to do anything that will benefit anyone besides the WWE. So I would no. be shocked if they were willing to say, "Yeah, let's build the industry up." Because Vince, he's always shown that his interest is building himself and his company up. He could care less about everybody else, mm-hmm. and it's worked for him. I mean, to be quite honest, he killed the territories and made tons of money. He's a billionaire, you know. So yeah, speaking uh, of uh, tons of money, we have MJF. He uh, turns on the inner circle and he starts he starts his own little group called Pinnacle, just like the golf company, right? Mm-hmm. So Roger, what do you think about the fact that that uh, MJF turns on the inner circle, then leaves, and then he already had his own uh, Pinnacle uh, ready for him uh, waiting? What do you think about that? So far, this is my favorite move of the year. I, I, I jumped up and pumped my fist. I was so happy to see, you know, we knew this split was coming from the moment he joined the inner circle and that's fine, but they, they inverted, subverted our expectations. And instead of him just taking a beat down or the predictable kicking Jericho out, they basically saw through him. They were about to beat him up. And then you see the pinnacle come out, FTR, Wardlow, Sean Spears, guys who have needed to be a part of something larger anyway, and now you put MJF as the head man? Wow. Like, this feels like the beginning of evolution. This feels like another four horsemen. This feels like the beginning of a major stable, and I love it. This catapults MJF into the main event. He feels like a player now, and he has got the best tag team, in my opinion, AEW behind him. He's got an excellent henchman in Spears. He's got a good, legendary mouthpiece in Tully Blanchard. And then you've got Wardlow, who looks like a superstar and is a future superstar. Absolutely love every part of it. I love they beat down the inner circle. I love they destroyed the inner circle because I was done with them. I don't really like most of them besides Pride and Powerful and, and Sammy and Sammy. But yeah, I, it, this was great. This was absolutely what needed to happen. I said a long time ago I wanted Hangman to join um, this group and kind of be that leader. MJF and Wardlow joining is even better. I love every single moment of this. This is the best thing AEW done in 2021 in my opinion, hands down. I I felt I felt like I was watching an M Night Shyamalan uh, movie when watching the segment because it was twist after twist after twist. You had Sammy come back and reveal uh, MJF uh, trying to convince everybody to turn on Jericho. Then you had everybody kind of looking like they were going to turn on Jericho. And then you have everybody turn on MJF and then you had pinnacle show up and it was just twist after twist after twist and just built, built up my excitement level uh, very much so. 
it was one of those things though I do ask is this something that they could have prolonged to kind of uh, do more of a long storyline or not was it better for them to just get it all over with in, in one in one shot and time will tell but I, I loved it as as what it is uh, and it just you know talking about inner circle versus pinnacle now is this something now that they have fans coming back is this uh, war games mm-hmm. kind of a feud? Yep. Is it worthy of war games or is it yep. something that we build up to a war games kind of feud? You build up to it at double or nothing. There you go. I, I will say, I agree with you, Doug. Uh, I, I like the fact that this happened. I didn't like the execution of it. Cause I agree with you, Doug. It was like, Sammy comes out. I have this video, roll it. And then like, get them boys. Oh no, they turned on me. Well, I built my own. And then it was just like, it was kind of Saturday morning cartoonish, which it's wrestling. So I get it. Like, right. You know, we're, we're talking about wrestling. We like wrestling. And there's a, a an element of that to it. MJF, uh, he gave an amazing promo the following week. Uh, absolutely loved it. Uh, Sean Spears is a little, I like Sean Spears. Yeah. You know, FTR in there though. And Wardlow and, and MJF, I think are obviously really great. And Sean Spears is there to eat the pins. So you know, that's what you have. Right? I was going to say, Sean Spears is like the Virgil of uh, NWO. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, he's the guy who is the henchman, right? He's Alexander mm-hmm. Wolf. He's the guy who's going to come in there and hit you with the chair. You can do trios matches. He doesn't need to be featured. Like, not every single person in there has to be a guy who's going to be built up. He's there to do the dirty work, and that's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Somebody's got to eat the pins sometimes, and you don't want Wardlow eating those pins, and you don't want FTR eating those pins, and definitely don't want MJF eating those pins. That's what Sean Spears is there to do, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, So I I think that if you build this up, you know, the first thing I thought of was blood and guts. That's that's what I thought of. And so at double or nothing um, in in May – I think that we might see that. So, um, and I believe that they're still planning on uh, running a show in Vegas. So, with a lot of people getting their shots, you know, I know uh, some of us have our shots already, which is really nice. And so, like, you feel good, like being able, like, oh, I can go and not have to worry as much, you know, about being around other people. Maybe you don't get concessions there. Maybe you don't take a drink from the water fountain, but you can still go and appreciate the event potentially. That is correct. And you know, one thing also with uh, the whole thing with uh, you know. With MJF, Doug, do you think that do you think that this like Rogers re- really on board with this? Are you on board like he is though, with what they're doing with MJF? Oh, absolutely. This this definitely catapulted him into main event status. After this feud with Inner Circle is done, you very well could have him uh, establish himself as the next number one contender. I mean, he's already been somewhat the number one contender and had a decent match, but uh, with Moxley. But this is just—it's just another aspect of him, him building his character, him building this group, and moving on to uh, great expectations and everything like that. Uh, Pinnacle is is definitely a group you could see with um, the tag team champions the AEW championship and with the TNA championship all within one group. Uh, you have that kind of caliber of people now, whether it's Wardlow or whether it's Sean Spears as the TNA or TNT champion. Um, I would They're rather see Wardlow, but, uh, but you have all the elements of a, you know, very much a, 
I was trying to think of some of the other groups that have done this before, but you know, the the New Day or the Hurt Business or uh, Evolution, Evolution, um, Adam Cole and uh, Bullet Club. Well, Bullet Club, but Adam Cole was just in Undisputed what? Era. Undisputed Era. I can't believe it. I'm having a horrible day. Third Shift has has ruined my mind, but. Uh, You've seen groups that have done this and succeeded. NWO is another one. So it's just one of those things that this is a group that very much could sweep the titles and you have everybody versus the inner circle and it'd be entertaining. Or not inner circle, but pinnacle. All right. So, Doug, I want to talk about something. So we have to talk about Thunder Rosa taking on Britt Baker. This... You want to elaborate on what's going on with this? This was... A decent setup. Uh, they've been feuding for quite a while now. Uh, so they got into a lights out, unsanctioned main event match. And for all of those people that have been doubting the AEW women's division, well, there's at least two that can put on a uh, better than probably five-star match. This is what I was expecting when it was the barbed wire death match from... <laughs> Uh, Kenny Omega and John Moxley. Uh, this was hard. This is probably the best hardcore women's match I have ever seen. Uh, these two took it to the limit, and everything. I mean, it, it, move after move, you just thought, uh, you know, who truly was going to win. Um, they took it to a max level. They did the time. They did everything. Uh, the finish was great. Uh, it was just, it was a bloody mess. And this is exactly what I was expecting out of Kenny Omega and, and John Moxley. And I think they executed it a lot better than John Moxley and, and Kenny Omega did. Uh, and you just didn't have to throw in quote unquote barbed wire death match. They had the tax, they had the, the blood, the tables, uh, everything that you would have in a, in a great hardcore match. And Thunder Rosa is your, winner in an unsanctioned match meaning that they could still do the same thing they did with the john moxley one where it was unsanctioned where he technically kenny omega didn't technically lose a match because it was unsanctioned so uh you you still have the potential for a great storyline with them uh eventually one of those i think is your next aew women's champion um and and i think it bettered the career of both of them So as one of those people who has consistently doubted AEW's women division, let me say that this is the type of match I have been waiting for. This has, A, proven that Thunder Rosa belongs here 100%. Like She has injected a sense of life and purpose into this division because, to be quite honest, I don't think she has really had a great feud during her reign. Like She's been entertaining in the matches, but none of her feuds have had storylines that are interesting. Her and Abaddon have like an okay storyline, but... Like, this has been a consistent problem between these two since Thunder Rosa showed up. And if you would have told me that Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa would outshine Kenny Omega and, and John Moxley, I would have laughed at you. I'd have been like, that's ridiculous. And yet here we are. They did a better hardcore match than two of the top five in, in the world. This, this match was outstanding. This was great. This could be the type of match that we talk about in a few years, the way we talk about um, Bailey versus Sasha at Brooklyn 
where this is the turning point that said this division is now going to take off because they have the talent now by adding some of those women's wrestlers from NWA, Thunder Rosa being at the top. I think Serena Deeb is still there. So now they have the roster. I think it's probably time to get that belt off of, of Sheeta. Um, and I like her. She's still good, but you got to develop her and some storylines. I don't need to see Nyla Rose winning all the time. You know, I like, um, I can't remember her name. Um, she's the one who comes out to the K-pop. Um, Mahi Ito, I want to say. She's hilarious. Like that, yeah. She's like what I always wanted Alexa Bliss to be as a heel, like just way more goofy <laughs> and over the top. Um, yeah, I mean, so so it's it's interesting, right? Like I, I'm enjoying this. I'm I'm happy when Statlander comes back. I'll be happy when Anna Jay comes back. Um, Big Swole at some point is going to come back. Mm-hmm. They've certainly got talent. Uh, Jade Jade Kerrigan, I think her last name is Cargill. I think uh, terrifies me. Like that woman scares the absolute crap out of me. She is a beast <laughs> and she's awesome. Red Velvet is Brandy Rhodes light, so man. But I mean, it's just a deep division, and I'm glad it's the one weakness AEW's had since its inception. And now I'd say there are eight legit women who I'd enjoy watching in a title match. And Britt Baker as a heel, outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. All right. So, and I echo your guys' thoughts on uh, those two. And, uh, yes, they definitely can go. Um, congratulations to the AEW uh, women's division on that. So, uh, let's talk about uh, HostGator. Are you a blogger or a podcaster or you're just not happy with your web host? You need to check out HostGator.com. You're going to find web hosting made easy and affordable. HostGator offers unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click script installs, or free stability, hands on the best control panel out there. Stop by today and try a free demo. So easy as, and if you use a special coupon code off the mark, you're going to save 25% off your web hosting packages. So what are you going to lose? Check out HostGator.com and take a bite out of your web hosting costs. Also, make sure you check out 66's off the mark page. Click on the banner at the top to say big on items from WDShop.com. So for this month, we're going to talk about the off the mark Hall of Fame because, you know, Everyone has a Hall of Fame, but we're going to say ours is better. So, Aaron, you want to go over the rules? Yeah, so um, we've been doing this actually since 2019. Uh, and so what we did was to kind of, you know, get everything up to speed because, uh, you know, realistically, if we only did like one or even, let's say, you know, four a year, so everyone nominated one, uh, the, the quality of people it would take forever to get through. So we're doing two every single year until we, you know, start getting closer to that Coco Beware territory. Uh, so uh, the idea here is that we go in order based on how we did the previous year for our pickums. And so uh, last year it was Roger, Doug, and then myself and Andy, we had tied. And so we're going to go in that order. So Roger, for the first time ever, because Doug was first the previous two years, you actually get to nominate the first person. And uh, if um, two people have an objection, then we will uh, skip that, and then we'll come back around uh, and let you nominate somebody again. I believe is what we're we're mm-hmm. agreeing to, right? So, uh, with that said, Roger, um, I would love to hear who your first pick is because you said that it's somebody that you that we wouldn't be expecting, or somebody that you don't think any of us were going to pick. Yeah, I mean, really, were any of you guys going to nominate Mister Fun Size, the the true uh, superstar of uh, Jurassic Park? Marco stunt because oh Marco Marco yeah, oh Marco. yes uh, yeah I mean I'd love to hear Aaron's thoughts on uh, yeah. why Marco is a Hall of Famer but um, my actual nomination is someone who represents in my opinion the best of what ECW had to offer back in the day he was very innovative had some of the best moves you ever saw was instantly over the moment he showed up in the invasion um, now I have a question for you real quick before sure. you say would you say that he's one of a kind. 
I would say he is Mr. Monday night. I would say he is Mr. Thursday night. He's Mr. Friday night. And I'd say he's the whole damn show. In fact, I would say he is Rob Van Dam. That's good. I, I agree with that. I, I, I actually don't think that anybody would say no um, for that. So I, I would definitely give that one a thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Now, Doug, with that said, uh, do you have a good one to follow that one up with? I do. Uh, and that definitely wasn't who is on my list, but he is definitely a worthy candidate. But my uh, first pick is somebody I think that should have gone in a lot earlier, but hasn't uh, for both in ring and out ring. Uh, his contributions to wrestling has uh, developed so many stars uh, for so many different companies and uh, just everything that he uh, has done for this company, all the feuds that he did for everything else. Uh, NXT is, I, I would call it more of his baby than it was Triple H's, but my my nomination is Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, and I think that's a great one too. Uh, I was, uh, so I actually thought that you were going to pick mine first. But uh, he was actually going to be the second one person I nominated. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Thumbs up for me all around. And I imagine it's probably the same for everybody. Uh, I don't think that we're going to actually have uh, I don't think we're going to have an issue. I, although I'm kind of curious who is going to get the most conversation. So I'm going to go with mine. Like I said, I don't think that there's going to be any issues, but I'm going to go with uh, another one that I think that we're all going to agree on, which is uh, Roddy Piper. I think that he is somebody that you look at. He main evented WrestleMania one with uh, Hogan. Uh, he had the boxing match with Mr. T. He is instrumental in the building of the WWF. He had some really great feuds in WCW. I loved what he did with Savage. <laughs> I, I believe it was Savage where he, he asked if, um, uh, you know, did your parents uh, build a uh, build a swing set facing a brick wall? You know, like, and it was just one of those lines where you go like, Okay. All right. Like uh, that, that is a good one. Like I, I absolutely love that. I like you. So, uh, so it's kind of funny, Doug, it seems like you and I were, uh, split. We were reversed on who we were going to be picking. So with that said, Andy, I cannot wait to hear yours. Eddie Guerrero. All right. I don't even have to sell. I, it's just Eddie Guerrero. Now for you, uh, you probably feel a, a strong, well, or I should not, say a strong kinship, not, not but be- like, not because he passed away the day after my wife and I got married. It's just I, I I preferred him and I and I don't think I got to enjoy him as much in uh when he was in in WCW it was more I think it was more E or uh, WWE and, and ECW as well I WCW he was there and I do remember him seeing stuff and I do remember a couple of the weird things that happened like the him throwing the cup of uh, coffee on himself um, I thought that was uh, interesting but uh, overall I mean he just he's just one of those guys that every time he got in the ring you just knew that. Uh, he was gonna. It was gonna be, you know, at least a four star match, and he could, you know, make any match look good. I mean, crap, uh, Vicky Mister Q, and he yelled it really loud, <laughs> really loud. <laughs> Everyone heard it. Uh, uh, can you repeat what he said, Andy? <laughs> Vicky. <laughs> That's and, uh, did he say any four letters in yes, there at all? Do you know? I, okay. I think it would be Vicky bleep 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 in here. Yep. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so and and like he was also just uh I, I guess uh learning about after the fact. Like I didn't realize he had a like he, like how big his mask was to him and and like uh, you know as much as I don't like saying this uh him losing the match was smart. Um uh same thing with like him and Hoovitude except Hoovitude decided to get uh, some type of ego. But anyways. So Let's move back to number one. And who do you got, Doug? 
No, yeah. Roger. I'm sorry. Roger. I know it's a common mistake, you know, that I, I'm, I'm usually s- the number one pickums. And- I, I stopped the three-peat that apparently the Hughes bros would have liked to have seen happen. Um, yeah, I mean, just to touch on your guys' picks real quick, the only objection I have to Dusty would be he should have been in last year, in my opinion. I think we right. waited far too long for how much he contributed to the business. I'd make the same argument, truthfully, for Piper and Eddie. Um, you know, both of them were great. Roddy Piper, to my knowledge, is the originator of kind of that that uh, in-ring talk show or that, you know, the Piper's Pit is the first mm-hmm. one that I truly remember. I mean, how many have we seen spawned off of it? Highlight Reel, Cutting Edge, Peep Show, you know, anyone the barbershop, the Ambrose Asylum, all of them seem to, you know, and CM Punk, one of the best talkers of our generation, will say he always wanted to be Piper more than Hogan, right? That was his idol. That's who he viewed himself. I think guys like Jericho and MJF come from that same cloth of they are the type of guys who could incite a riot with their words, and that's what you want in a great talking heel. Um, so my second one actually goes with my choice from last year. Uh, there was a pretty dark time in the Attitude Era for women's wrestling, I think for the most part it sucked. It was Divas matches and bra and panties and mostly garbage. However, I think there were two women who actually stood out. One was Trish Stratus. She went from just a model to being a very good wrestler to the point that she was one of the highlights of 0304 Raw. And the other one is the first woman who I remember being a true high flyer, and it was Lita. I 100% think she, when they talk about the women who paved the way, it's not the Candice Michelles, it's not the Tori Wilsons, it's Trish, it's Lita, it's Natty, it's Beth, it's Molly Holly, people like that who were actually wrestlers before their time. And I, I believe Trish and Lita made Invented, which I think was the first time a women's match had ever truly made Invented, and, and it, they, they deserved it 100%. They were great, and they were actual pioneers for their time. And put them in this era, they would have been good, in my opinion, as well. Ooh, I don't know about that. I think they I might, think that they I think uh I think Lita would have got uh I think Lita would have been the one who wouldn't get got uh, put over. I think she would have been the one. Trish. She would be unique. She'd be different. That's the thing about Lita that actually would help in her favor, I think. You really you really think that her being unique like now would do it? She had a unique look. Like yeah. she looked different than she doesn't even really look like the divas of today. Like AJ mm-hmm. Lee kind of came close to it, but like she did have a very, and you didn't have women crashing the way that she did. Yeah, you have the Io Shirai's now, and Charlotte does her moonsault, but you didn't have women jumping off of the top rope doing moonsaults, taking mm-hmm. shots through tables. I mean, she she was out there getting speared by Rhino and Edge, and out. I mean, she was she was out there taking hits. Like, okay. I have right, no problem. Uh, now, I have no problem with with your pick, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, I would say, like, you know, similar, like, I probably wouldn't put her in yet, but, like, is she Hall of Fame worthy? Absolutely. You know, and I I think that Lita is somebody that we would be talking about, you know, for sure, uh, to be in the Hall of Fame. So I don't have an issue with it. Uh, now, Doug, with that said, you uh, have three. Are, are you and I going to be the exact same? Like, do I have to have my number four ready to go? <laughs> no, uh, I, I'm going to kind of maybe jump the gun a little bit on this one. Uh, I am going to break my my rule of active wrestlers uh, or potential for active wrestling. Um, but this guy is somebody that I believe it was in a bad time for WWE. Uh, he was he is and always will be one of the few people that if it's in the area and I know he's going to be there in wrestling, I will go to the show to see. And he is he is a part-timer right now. 
He is, but again, the moment he shows up, all eyes are on him. There's nothing and nobody, and you just don't bet against him. It's Brock Lesnar. He is absolutely just anytime he gets in the ring. Just the fact that he was one of the few people that can go, and he was legitimately a uh, MMA fighter, an MMA champion, and he has done so much even outside that, again, like I said, he shows up. You're getting press. You're getting news. You're getting everything. And he is the end boss of of the WWE to to a pinnacle of when somebody beats him, that that person is a star then. Yeah. You know, it's funny. He was not on my radar at all. But, uh, yeah. And I don't have an issue with him going in. So. Um, let me just attack on the Doug's point. So I think when we talk about generation-defining superstars – Hogan and Flair in the 80s, Austin and Rock in the 90s. I think Brock Lesnar will be the defining superstar of this generation. It's not Cena and it's not Roman. It's Brock Lesnar because he has true crossover appeal, because he's a legitimate UFC heavyweight champion, which to my knowledge has really not been a thing in WWE before. And he feels like a main eventer. When you beat him, it matters. That's not really true for most people. Cena's lost a ton of times at this point. The amount of people who beaten Brock is a very exclusive list. Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns. John Cena, Triple H. That might be the list. Undertaker. And even that was Dusty. So, you know, it, it, his matches feel important. They don't happen enough for my taste, but they always feel important. And that's something that's very rare. All right. And then uh, for me, so I'm going to go uh, to a guy that um, is a second generation star. Uh, both his parents were uh, were wrestlers. And so he didn't really have a chance. He main evented one WrestleMania, to my knowledge. Uh, Roger, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that but never held the real gold. So I am going to go with the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase as my pick. Yeah. He made a WrestleMania four in the tournament. Yep. Again, savage. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So that is who I am going with. Uh, any objections? I don't have any objections. I think he was one of the missed opportunities that WWE had during that era. Uh, he should have held the, the main title. Um, he had a look. He had a gimmick. He had everything going for him. Uh, it was just a missed opportunity in the aspect that you had Hogan taking every championship every time he could. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, during um, that time, it was Hogan, Savage, Hogan, Warrior, Slaughter, and then Hogan. I would actually vote against this, not because I don't think he's worthy, but because I think it's far too early for somebody who wasn't a featured act like he should have been. Now, if we talk a Hall of Fame of missed opportunities, 100%, Million Dollar Man, fantastic talker, great gimmick. I just don't – I don't think he's the – other than the awesome, like we all remember the laugh and, you know, like my mom could tell you the Million Dollar Man was a thing. I wouldn't put him anywhere close to the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Like, not in the same breath as the way I would put, like, Dusty Rhodes. I I, I just, I don't think he's there. So I, I would say I would vote against it. But I, I, I don't have a problem with him going in, per se. I just don't think he's there yet. I think it should be 20 slots down. Andy, do you have an issue with that? Nah. Okay. Just, just as long right. as you don't have a, an issue with Marco Stunt going in right now. i drive there and slap you. All right, so uh, I'm going to pick. Don't Andy. Do it. What? 
Yeah. Don't be a coward. Do it. Here is you who, have the votes. Um, Do it while you have them. I, I, I actually right now, uh, I I was conflicted with the, with this person because um, they're they were like on par. Um, and one I got to see one I've seen after the fact. Um, so I'll pick with the one I have seen. Um, and I'm gonna go with Mr. Perfect. Uh, Kurt Henning, of course, in WCW. You know, I always remember the perfect plex. I remember seeing that. I can't tell you how many times on, I think it was like Saturday morning. Uh, and then, of course, whenever just watching him wrestling, it just brought back, back uh, some great memories. And the promos, the promos. I mean, that guy could talk. Oh, man. So many things, so many great things with him. And, and the thing is, he just kept at it, too. I mean, he came back to the Royal Rumble at one point and looked like he hadn't missed a step. And then WWE signs him. I mean, it was great seeing him back. So. Uh, but yeah, um, um, yeah. I, do you guys have any questions about him? No, he was actually somebody I was uh, considering as well. So um, yeah, no, I think that he is definitely a Hall of Fame worthy. Excellent. Now, is he in the WWE Hall of Fame? I don't I remember. He is. I, is I he? think okay. He is. Um, I think he's the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. Be quite honest with you. If you if you were putting a list, I'd put Mister Perfect at one. I am. Um, he has a. It's interesting because I have. He has a similar resume to me as as DiBiase does, but I think he's unquestionably Hall of Fame worthy because. So as, as great as DiBiase was, I think he was greater outside of the ring than he probably was inside of it. As far as what we know him for, we know him for that great character, the people that he managed, even his his feud in the main event was basically a feud with Hogan and Andre. Like he he and, and Savage sadly were the side pieces of that feud, and that's unfortunate because they both deserved better. Whereas if you look at Mr. Perfect, he is the defining Intercontinental Champion, in my opinion, of the 80s. Like when I think of that title, I think of him. I think of Honky Tonk Man, you know, and Perfect is a tier above all of them. And he was so good in the ring. Like he was just perfect. I mean, <laughs> I hate to say it. He was fantastic. Every single person who talked about him says that he was always money in the ring. Yeah, I have zero objections to him being Hall of Famer. I just like the story of hearing when they were doing those promos where he'd shoot like something like a, you know, uh, the three pointer first try. And they're like, yeah, a lot of those were first try. So they couldn't believe it. I just find that just amazing. So, but until yeah. they actually started taping him, then he missed <laughs> all his practice shots were perfect. And yep. they go to tape. And I did read that where like he would hit the first one and then they go to tape and it would, he just couldn't hit it anymore. It was like he needed that first shot to happen. And that was it. Uh, All right, so we have our 2021 Hall of Fame class. I believe, looking at it right now, because actually uh, I had just read that RVD was announced for the 2021 WWE Hall of Fame, so that's actually kind of fun. Uh, so I believe the only person of this Breaking list is is Brock Lesnar, who is not in the WWE Hall of Fame, if uh, if that looks correct then. So kind of fun, kind of fun. We uh, Was RVD just announced? He was just announced, yeah. So kind of fun, yeah. Because they listened to our show. They knew. They bought our arguments. <laughs> they had to jump the gun before our show. They didn't want to get scooped. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you laugh. This is like the fourth time this has happened. We said something, and all of a sudden on, like, Tuesday, they're like, oh, yeah, we're doing that. No, that's true. I mean, there's a lot of things that I still think that they're going to probably do at WrestleMania that I think is going to be a mistake. But, uh, well, or I still think they're going to try and recreate the Daniel Bryan thing, so. But anyway, so 
That's all the time we have for this month's show. If you're into the Twitter, you can follow the show at Authmark86. I want to thank 86 Productions for hosting and editing the podcast. And I want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time down and listening to the show. And for Doug Hahn, Roger Cave, and Aaron Hughes, I'm Andrew Hughes. And until next time, we'll see you in the ring. Yeah.